Hey everyone, welcome back to an all new edition of the 20% Podcast, the podcast that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you can implement in your current job today. Today's guest is Dewan Brown. Dewan currently serves as the Director of Solutions Consultants at Microsoft. Prior to this role, Dewan held many executive leadership roles and is currently an advisor and mentor to many organizations, including a member of Rev Genius, the Talent Champions Council, Pavilion, and Sales for the Culture, just to name a few. This was such a fun conversation with Dewan. We started the conversation discussing his first role at Little Caesars at age 14, and then moved into how much his experience in restaurants and bartending led to massive success later on in his career. We also discussed how your why changes over time, the importance of helping others achieve their goals, having rational conversations with your children, how restaurant skills transfer into sales, aligning your job with your passions, and much more. Please enjoy this conversation with Dewan Brown. Dewan, welcome to the 20% Podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> so, excited to chat with you, Tyler. Yeah, I'm so excited to pump too. I know we were just t- just just chatting a little bit before we started, and uh, we got some mutual connections that are, are just absolute rock stars. I know right now, for those watching, um, people over everything shirt. So shout out to Scott McGregor, um, <laughs> yes, incredible guy. Um, Galen was Galen Gourmet was uh, the one who kind of introduced Dewan and I. So, um, so, so thank you so much for that again as well. But, uh, but Dewan, I mean, what what do people mean to you besides everything? <laughs> I don't know if there's anything outside of everything, right? Uh, you know, people make the world go round is is one way to put it. But um, ultimately, man, like you know, everything behind every piece of technology, behind every idea, uh, behind every innovation, right? There are people, right? Uh, and so people. Without people at the center of everything that we do, everything that we think, even the ways in which we innovate and transform things technologically or digitally, um, you really don't have anything. Um, and so I believe that the priority should be on the people, that even over profit, that even over uh, any any pursuit of transformation. Absolutely. And I want to yeah. talk put, talk people and talk your skills specifically around sales, because yeah. as we were talking before this as well, I mean, salespeople are just normal people. The things yeah, that you learn right. in sales are you're going to be using in your regular life and vice versa. So um, right. to, to start early on in your career, um, as I was briefly mentioning before, I mean, everybody has a, a, a first job at some point yeah. or, or early jobs to get where you are today. Yeah. Do you have any good stories of any of the first jobs that you had and ultimately skills that you learned that you would have thought, man, I'm never going to use this now? Yeah. I mean, interestingly, uh, and this is what I don't talk about a lot. I talk about, so I, I spent eight years as a server and a bartender. Um, and there's just you know too much material there in terms of like what I what I received and what I learned through those years that transferred over. So I'll go back even beyond that and talk about a job that I got when I was 14 years old. Um, so my dad got me a work permit, um, took me up to Little Caesars Pizza in my city, and I got a job at Little Caesars. Now he, here's the thing: this was way back in the days. I'm an old guy, so <laughs> this is when Little Caesars actually made the pizzas when you walked in. And every pizza you bought, you got a free pizza. And that's where the slogan pizza, pizza came from. So anyway, so I'm 14 years old. I'm working at Little Caesars and, you know, I'm 14. So like I have all of the proclivities of a 14 year old just entering into like the depths of adolescence and all that comes with that. And one of the things that I quickly learned was uh, how to deal with doing things that I didn't necessarily want to do so that I would be able to do some of the things that I actually wanted to do after that fact, right? So every day when I went into the, to, to the, to the spot to work, there was a lot of reticence on my part. There were days when I wanted to quit, my dad wouldn't let me quit. So that taught me right then um, some of that uh, resilience, right. um, pushing through, 
Um, again, having to do some uncomfortable things, things that you don't necessarily want to do in order to get the outcomes that you're seeking. Because the whole reason I was working at 14 years old is because I wanted to be able to buy my own school clothes, my own school shoes. Yeah, I wanted it, and I and I wanted my parents to have no say in in my in my fashion style. Yep. And so in order to get to that, I had to do a lot of hard things. And a lot of that was getting into a freezer, grabbing a ball of dough and spending time just kneading dough um, so that they could make pizzas. And so that was one of my one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. Uh, and one of the one of the ones that lasted the longest uh, because I could clearly see what my outcomes were and how I could get there through it. So. Um, yeah, it taught me, it taught me a, a lot about perseverance. <laughs> wow. I, I love that too. And obviously that's one of the number one sales skills, whether it's in sales, it's life, you know, obviously we went through a tough time with COVID. I mean, the, right. the persistence of just being able to have a good mentality and getting through that. But oh, the yeah. other interesting thing I think that you had is you had a clear perspective on your why of what you that's were right. doing. Right. I, right. I know I'm a big Simon Sinek fan and uh, I just had a yeah, post about likewise. it. So it's, it's kind of fresh in my mind, but um, so you had that why of, this is uh, nobody's getting in my way of me getting these nice shoes and, and these, these nice right. clothes. When you talk a little bit further now, how, how has your why changed from when you were in those early years up into where you are currently? Yeah, uh, my why when I was 14 years old was was purely myopic, right? It was purely self-centered. It was selfish. It was about me and what I could gain um, over the years. Uh, as you can see, people over everything, right? This is really a mantra that I live by. I'm glad that Scott uh, coined it because it's, uh, it, it's so fitting for so many people. But um, over the years, my purview has, has, has broadened, right? So my why is not, is my, I am not at the center of my why anymore, right? I haven't been at the center of my why in quite some time. I have six kids. So, so the, the center of my why has changed and morphed over time, but I never put myself back on sort of the throne of why Bill, right? I am not the king of why Bill. Others are. And so that has been the transition. Now, depending on what role I play and at what time in my career, depends on some of who is on the throne, right? So people that I'm trying to serve and looking to serve and solve problems with and for through whichever solution I happen to be representing at that time, they are always included in the cloud of why. Um, but then also my family, right? My wife, my kids, and what our future goals and objectives are for our family uh, and our community is at the center of why. So why now is always, that's the, that's the key difference. Why from 14 to whenever that was, like late 20s probably, was uh, I was on the throne of Whyville. Today and, and from that point forward, um, the, the throne, there are multiple thrones in Whyville and I'm on none of them. Um, and that's the key for me. And what is that taught you ultimately? I mean, making that shift, is it massive, uh, way more success? Or like, what's the pro to those people who may say, you know what, I'm trying to grind for myself right now. Maybe sure. they don't have a family or maybe something like that. Why yeah. should somebody like that try to make the switch? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just a big fan. Like I go back to Zig Ziglar's quote. Um, I never get it right, but I, I think the premise is there. And that is, you know, the, the, the shortest distance between where you are and what you, where you want to be and the things that you want to attain um, is through helping as many people as humanly possible attain those things for themselves, right? And, and that's just never failed me. Um, since the time that I started implementing that as a practice, started thinking about that from the worldview perspective, um, it's just never failed me. Like my, my goal is to see how I might be of assistance to getting people, all sorts of people to where they wanna go and the things that they wanna acquire and attain. And it's just automatically over time has resulted in me getting what I wanna need as well. 
And so if, if that's a formula, like if I can get what I want to need by pursuing it rapidly in a selfish way, or, and I can get what I want to need by pursuing the wants and needs of other people, well, I'm kind of getting to the end, uh, the same end goal. Where I'm right. accomplishing it in both ways. But on this side, when I'm helping as many people as I can, at the end of the road, I have a many, many, I have like a sea of allies and people who I've built relationship with in the, in the process. Um, and and re, we all sort of rise together. Right. And so wherever we end up, like whatever level we end up on, we're there together as opposed to me arriving at some mountaintop solo and being lonely and dejected at the end of the road. So Wow. That was an incredible answer, Dewan. And that was so pure and genuine. So the, those people listening out there, I mean, it's it's very clear that Dewan has a, a very serious why. So super, super important to, to maintain that. And, yeah. and just out of curiosity as well, I'm a new father. We have a one and a half year old son. What's yeah, your best piece awesome. of parenting advice before we jump into some of the sales? <laughs> best piece of parenting advice. Man, it's so much that I've learned uh, over the course of my, my fatherhood. Um, I, for me, the, the, the thing for, for my kids and I like is... Um, just cultivating individual relationships. Now you have one at this point. And so, you know, learning who that child is and what motivates that child and those sorts of things is going to be sort of natural in your, in the growth together as parent and child. Um, but the other thing to that for me and, and my wife is, you know, we believe in having real conversations with our kids as soon as they can understand real words. And so it's, it's, it's often funny, like the conversations that I have with my six-year-old, as an example, uh, many people look at me and they're like, See, she's six. Like she's never gonna understand any of those things. But I also have a 24, almost 25 year old, and I have a 16 year old, and I have a 14 year old, and so I've seen the result of those types of conversations bear fruit way down the road, and they start to bump their heads on some of the truths that I shared when they were very young, and start to recall them, and start to make decisions based on it. And so my advice is, it's never too early to start speaking from a place of reason with your child. Wow, that is a great piece of advice. So, so, uh, so if I if I ever uh, feel like I'm talking over their head, don't worry about it because it's going to catch up at some point. They will bump their head on it at some point. Wow, <laughs> and they are receptive too, man. I mean, it's yeah. so crazy. I mean, he, our, our little guy's one one and a half, and like if you say the word TV or like if we're just having a regular conversation, my wife and I, you know, yeah. it, if he hears something, like he'll go to it or he'll go do that. Or if you say night, night right. for example, by you know, like they're listening. So that's right. They they understand that's a lot right. more than you think. So that's but, right. Um, it's so much fun, man. And I'm so glad our, our, our whys are very similar as well because family is, is really what drives me yeah. 100%. So um, so it's really cool to kind of chat about that. Um, diving back in a little bit to the sales, like once you were done at Little Caesars and you had some of those training or the, or the serving jobs, I think, yeah. what ultimately led you to getting into sales? Like why would you want to work in sales? I was pushed into sales, right? So I, I sort of fell into sales. I gave, this is another guy that I did a, a I See You Friday for, a gentleman named Mike Brooks. Um, it's just instrumental. Like we hung out, um, you know, I waited tables. He was in restaurant business. Um, and then he ended up getting a job as a web designer or web technician at, at, a, at a company called Intuit. Um, and when he got there, he was just like, man, it's just, it's just such a difference between industries, like working in the restaurant industry. And he was like, D. Brown, you, you have something that is unique and it's something that you need to leverage. You have to get your foot in the door over here at Intuit. And I was just like, A, I'm not, I'm not interested in sales. My dad sold for a long time, sold insurance door to door. Um, and I was like, A, I'm not interested in sales. And B, they probably won't hire me. And he was like, look, just get, and so all the time, he would never let it rest. Like we would be doing music or whatever we're doing. 
And he would always come back to like, did you apply yet, basically? And so finally I applied to into it for sort of an entry level, uh, super transactional sales role. Uh, and I got it. Uh, I'll be at part-time. It was like 16 hours a week. They called it flex time. I had no benefits at the time. I had one son um, and I got my foot in the door and whoa, like Mike was right. Like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to people over the phone as much as I enjoyed talking to people at their tables or across the bar. Right. Um, the, the level of influence that required that's required for me to take a table that came in thinking they were going to get a salad bar and a, and a, and an iced tea to all of a sudden getting an appetizer and an actual meal and an actual dessert, right? That persuasion and that sort of uh, value selling, if you will. You're selling, uh, right? You're upselling yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's why I made so much money waiting tables and bartending, but I didn't make the transition or the translation in my brain. He did. He saw that in me. Uh, and when I got it into it, when I got to into it, like it just, it just blossomed because I was getting trained officially in some real sales methodologies. And right. I was having opportunity to get a thousand at bats a month because these were inbound calls. And uh, I sharpened quickly and rose fairly quickly through, through the organization. And so that's, that's kind of how I got into sales, man, by mistake, like yourself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it seems like most people fell into sales by accident. And, and the other yeah. interesting thing too, is that you know, when, when you're talking about that and you're saying like, just talking to customers and doing the upsells, like, I don't know if it's just because this is what I'm really focused on right now, but like, it'd be so cool to talk to people about, and this is what's fun about doing this. A lot of this, these interviews is learning. Like if you give me a job, I could tell you what you learned in that job and how it could relate to sales. So like, that's right. That's kind of another reason why it's all roads lead to sales, right? No matter what you're doing, you're learning yeah. these skills or you're always going to be selling at some point, right? Whether yeah. you're doing an interview or you're, you know, you're, you're trying to tell your kids or negotiate with them on what they should be eating for dinner, if they're going to eat yeah, broccoli right. or not. That's some of right. the hardest sales that you're going to have. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I think, I think the, the term that's used, um, I believe the book, the title, and, and pardon me if I, if I jack it up, but it's, it's To Sell as Human um, by Pink, uh, where he talks about this concept of moving people and how you never get away from moving people. It really doesn't matter what industry you're in and whether it's sales or, or engineering or whatever it is. Like there's an, there's an aspect to all work that requires moving people, right? right? And, and, and really that is sales at its core. And so some of the skills that you pick up in sales that help you be better at moving people and sometimes more people-centric during the, the people-moving process, um, all of those are easily translatable and uh, transferable into to everyday life from, again, negotiating with your kids to yep. negotiating uh, your cable bill. Right to yeah. to negotiating what it's going to cost to get your yard landscaped or a fence built. Right, all of these are part and parcel to the sales role. Yep, it's so funny you say that. We're currently, but like we we just bought our new house, so um, <laughs> so obviously we we had to you know when we were the buyers, we still had to sell ourselves on why they should take our offer. Right, right. But now today we were just talking about um you know uh, insurance for the house. So I've been going back and forth with a couple of vendors, and it's yeah. like, okay, well, why is this one? This is cheaper, but I, I know that there's less features because. It, it, nothing is just cheaper to be cheaper. So it's right. of, of putting like the sales hat what on. Yeah. While you're doing, you know, could you tell me where this is? Um, which is which is pretty interesting too. And I was telling my wife before this, like our biggest competitor in sales is the status quo because That's we're right. gonna we're probably gonna go with the person that we like and trust, even though they're higher. Yeah. Because you know what you know because of the trust factors and other certain things. Oh yeah. But it it's just so interesting that you're learning all of these different skills while you're in you know, in day-to-day -day life, like I, uh, like right. Lori Richardson is, was a teacher before she went into sales. 
Yeah, when you're a teacher, you're a selling knowledge, <laughs> right? You're selling yeah. knowledge. Or if you're a preacher, I know one, one of my good friends that I worked with was a former preacher. Now yeah. he's in sales. He was selling people on belief or on yeah. the religion or whatever, you know, however you want to bucket that. Sure. You know, everybody's in sales. So, yeah. so in fact. perspective now, um, why do you believe someone having the, all of the experience that you have? Why do you believe that someone should start their career in sales or hold a sales job at some point? And then what are some of those main skills that they could be learning as a result? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who are in a lot of different industries who are either friends or family or associates of mine who are interested to some degree, like they see from the outside looking in what sales might be, especially in tech, right? It's a little different looking at tech sales than uh, potentially other areas of sales. Um, but it, but it's always the same conversation for me. It's just like, you know, uh, you know, one friend of mine, I said, Hey, you know, you, you use an Android, right? I believe that like, there's, there's really no smartphone other than the iPhone. Like, I don't even know yeah. what, what the, what the Android is. And so I said, you know, why do you use Android? And why do you think I should be using Android versus iPhone? And you should have heard like the, the sales centric, people centric, the questions that came. Like, you know, how often do you need to do this? And how often do you do that? Or do you ever try to tinker with your phone and, and give it some capabilities that it doesn't have? Like, you can't do that on an iPhone. Like, it was a sales pitch. Right. Uh, and I said, man, that's really interesting that you told me you, you, you hate sales and would never go into sales, but you right. just sold me on why. I mean, I didn't buy it, but you just sold right. me on why I should be an Android user versus an iPhone user. Like, we, anything that we're passionate about, that we love and we care deeply about, we sell it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. So if that's the case and you're doing it on a day to day basis, regardless of your job title today, then why not formalize it and, and, and actually take and leverage it in order to, to receive some of the some of the high <laughs> some of the high level benefits that come from being in the sales role. Right. Um, so the, the, the question is not are you selling and should you sell? The question is more like, what should you sell? What type of company should you join um, that aligns with your values, that aligns with the things that you're passionate about? Because then sales becomes easier. And problem, problem solving. Right. If, it's, right. if it's something you're passionate about, like you mentioned, That's right. if it's something you're passionate about, you're not gonna, it's not even gonna be a problem of, you know, what is this problem you're trying to solve? Your friend was telling you, hey, here's the pros of doing this. Are you trying to do this? Are you trying to do that? That's right. That's ultimately what we're doing as a sales professional with whatever that solution is or that product. That's right. So that's so that's the that's the that's the breakdown of the stigma that has to take place. I think in a lot of, in the minds of a lot of people who are really you know uh, averse to sales is 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 this what are you averse to, and is that actually a part of sales? Right. Right. And so some of it is dispelling rumors. Some of it is dispelling uh, long held uh, conceptions or preconceptions about what sales is. But teasing that out, and I did that with one of with a family member of mine, really um, talking through like what is it that you think you hate about sales, and let's talk about that. And so a lot of it was just the stigma that you probably already know existed, 100%. Um, especially in like car sales and and other things like that, unscrupulous uh, practices going on and things like that. And I said, well, what if I told you that that's not what sales is? It's right? not, and that's, that sales is what you're already doing in your current role, et cetera, et cetera. And fast forward, you know, a year and a half or so later, you know, he's he's, he's selling real estate. Right. Because that was something that he was passionate about, wanting to get into investment properties and things like that. He got his real estate license and he's a, success, a successful realtor now. So um, he took that information and we were allowed, uh, we were enabled together collectively to unpack what it was that he thought he was dispelling or thought he was you know, pushing back against. 
and said, hey, that's not real sales. Real sales is service and helping people to understand um, how to solve the problems that they have using a solution that you might have access to, right? And you can do that in this area and you help, you're helping families not get railroaded by real, real estate agents who don't care about them, who don't know anything about the area that they're going into and things like that. You can actually be serving people in a way that, that impacts their family for generations to come just by getting them, getting them into the right house in the right neighborhood at the right price, right? right. And, and as he's doing that now, it's like one of the most rewarding things he's ever been able to do because those things are coming true. Yeah, it is so incredible. And it's so eye-opening too. I, don't, I really think a lot of people don't know just from, a, just from a financial perspective too, really what you could do in sales. I mean, you could, right. you could build generational wealth. I know people who make over a million dollars a year, whether it's not just, just sales alone, but just all of the things that they've learned That's culminating. Right. You know, it's, it's really crazy that, I mean, could you ever think of uh, making over a million dollars? Like just to have a million dollars would be incredible, right? Like, right. When you, like when you're younger, you're thinking, wow, that is crazy. But That's to right. make it a year, it's, it's really insane. Dewan, yeah. thank you so much for all that, man. You know, I, I know, um, you know, you're, you're really, really passionate about some of the other side things that you're doing as well. I know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sales for a cult, sales for the culture. Is that, yeah, is that how you right. sales for the culture? That's right. Uh, people can check that out at salesfortheculture.com. Uh, we're at about 850 members, uh, black tech sellers and those who want to be in tech sales. Um, and so, you know, if you happen to be black and, and, and have a desire to be in tech sales, well, you're already in tech sales at any level. Um, go out to salesfortheculture.com and, and come check us out. Awesome. Very good, man. Anything, anything else that you could help, help push and promote? Oh man, I, I want to push and promote other people. I know my man, Larry, Larry Long Jr. just started his own shop. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, one he's a good friend. Products. He's a great yeah. guy. Please go out and check out what he's doing over there um, and bring him into your organization. Because if you need a shot of energy as well as knowledge and insight, um, Larry's the guy. Awesome. Larry, thank you so much. I know he's listening in right now and he is yeah. the absolute man. I'm going to have to let him know. Uh, I'm going to shoot him a text after this as well. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much, Dewan. I really appreciate it, man. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for listening into today's episode. I've been really getting some great feedback from listeners and many have left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as well. If you enjoyed the show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review as well. It truly goes a very long way in spreading the word for our guest and also allows me to continue to bring on more incredible guests and onto the show. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you so much, everyone. Episode, thank you so much, everyone. Episode, thank you so much, everyone.